Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you're joining us for the King Killer episode, the episode Chad and I have been talking about doing since we started this this whole podcast. This is the one we're, we'll end up talking about King Killer for, for the rest of the time we're doing this podcast, but this is a dedicated episode. Uh, so let me just give a little background information as to how this episode got kind of shot to the top of mine and Chad's priority list. But also first, I just want to say real quick to everybody listening, I want to tell you what this episode is not. Okay, so <laughs> Chad's laughing over here already, <laughs> at least for me. Okay, I don't know. I can't control what Chad says. But just for everybody listening, uh, what this episode is not going to be is me and Chad complaining for an hour or more about the third book not being released. What we will do is talk about the third book. We'll talk about our ideas for what the third book will be. We're talk, we'll, we will definitely air some frustrations and, you know, as fans about it. But what this is not going to be is, is, is us bashing Patrick Rothfuss as a person for an hour uh, and complaining that he isn't working on this book. If that's what you want, there are tons of YouTube videos where people are doing exactly that thing. Go, go watch those. Go listen to those. The You're internet is full of and it's not of even it's not even because i want to be like oh let's just be nice it's like for me personally after this long it's boring content like it's boring to come on here and complain about this what i want to do and what chad wants to do we want to talk about this story we want to talk about these characters we want to talk about the writing and we also you know we want to talk about what we think where we think it's going um and then also sprinkled in there yeah we could talk about how yeah it has taken a really long time and it's pretty frustrating oh, for sure we're going to cover all of the things but i really appreciate you kind of uh qualifying this episode with a we're not going to just sit here and bitch about the third uh the third book not coming out for two hours because there's a lot about these books that are very very near to mine and i know evan's heart but i also have complaints about the books i will say like me too. that are not related <laughs> to patrick rothfuss as a person i have things about these both of these books um that irk me to no end things that are very frustrating uh, uh from a purely like fan to narrative perspectives so we will get into a little bit of that too for sure absolutely and uh, i think a good place to start would be for you to tell the tale just because i love it and it is maybe uh just a little bit for me more than anything you took a break in reading and i gave you a book and uh yeah tell, tell me that tale again because it sure. always makes my heart a little warm and it's apropos um so real quick before i do that the reason chad and i are doing this episode right now instead of in the past or in the in the near future is because i re-listened to name of the wind while i was moving into my new place and then chad got excited and did the exact same thing and then moved into wise man's fear i got about halfway through wise man's fear and i'll explain shortly why i stopped listening at about Ooh. halfway through <laughs> but uh chad has been and we've both read these books multiple times like this is like my fifth or sixth read through of this duology is what i'm going to call Same. it but, but anyway um so what happened uh a long time ago back when chad and i were mere whippersnappers uh <laughs> i was about i don't know probably 20 and chad was probably 21 22. chad's a year older than me i hadn't really been reading much like i'd read a, a little bit like my, well, i was reading a lot 
when I was in high school and before that, you know, um, lots of, you know, like uh, Harry Potter and Lost Years of Merlin and Narnia and just kind of like, you know, cutting my teeth on all kinds of those Really on the things. fringe of the fantasy world. <laughs> yeah, I, had, I hadn't even read Lord of the Rings yet. You know, oh, wow. I, was, I was reading all kinds of different stuff and I was reading for school, but like mostly what my time had been committed to was video games and playing music live i had just started a new band i was really excited about the band i was so excited about the band that i decided to move with my brother and my friend to portland oregon from bend oregon portland is about three hours north of bend if you obey the speed limits and <laughs> that was what i wanted to do I, and i barely moved any books along with me or anything i just wasn't reading and uh before i left chad had just finished the name of the wind and i was about to leave for the first and, time yeah for the first time and i was gearing up to leave i think it was like the day i left or something it was like either the day i left or the, or the night before i left and chad gave so. me chad gave me this book and said this is one of the best books i've ever read and i want you to have it and i wasn't like oh yeah like i'm super excited about this you know what i mean it was it was more like a I'm happy that Chad likes this and I'll read it because he likes it so much, but I'm he not foisted it upon yeah, me, <laughs> but I wasn't like, I wasn't like, Oh hell yeah. You know, I, I didn't feel any of that. And so I got in my crappy little Ford escort or whatever I was driving with, you know, packed full of stuff. And, you know, Chad's Chad and I had a, had a emotional goodbye because I knew I wasn't going to see Chad again for a long time. It means I cried buckets. And what's funny is my car broke down on the way to Portland and i had to wait for like roadside assistance or something and i was and if and if you're from oregon if uh, you would know this but if you're not from oregon um the stretch of land between bend and portland is like especially like 10 12 years ago uh not a lot of cell service out there like not a lot of like no. stuff going on in the, it's a lot of forest and a lot of just like empty land uh, what between, time of year was it uh it was like september or okay something. so maybe a little maybe a little snowy up on the pass well, so my car breaks down. I had to wait for roadside assistance. There was something wrong with like the gas intakers. I don't know. Something weird. Wasn't it? I just had like a flip phone, you know? And so I had this book in my bag because Chad had just given it to me. And what I hadn't packed it into boxes or anything. It was just like sitting in my car. So I opened it up and I started reading it. And I was like, wow, this is so boring. Like, <laughs> this is. I can't believe Chad loves this so much. Like this is just like this bummed out dude in like a bar and like he's going to tell this story so now I got to start another story, Starts you know. With silence yeah, like oh yeah, my gosh. Uh, uh, yeah. Um but the one thing I think that really there was like this ray of hope in it though and it was these spiders with razor blades for legs, you know, and I was like, okay. Like hmm, I'm That's something cool. this is kind of working for me. And then I didn't really pick it up again for a little bit. And it was, I think it was like weeks. I just didn't, I was, you know, moving and I was getting packed and uh, unpacked and stuff, playing more video games, playing more music. And then I can't really remember what compelled me to keep reading it, but I did. And this, this episode will have, I'm so glad I'm mentioning this right now. We are spoiling all over the place. There's spoilers everywhere. So if you want to read these books, stop listening to the episode right now, because I'm about to do a gigantic spoiler. So here's your chance going you've been going warned. gone okay uh so i kept reading and about the 100 page mark in the mass market paperback which chad lent me is when quotes parents die and that was i don't know about anybody else but that was when i was like okay now 
now we read this like now i'm in this for sure it's got real um and then i finished it and then um i didn't have to wait very long at all for wise man's here to come out only about a year something like that like uh maybe less than that 2010 yeah, so it was September 2010. It was 2011 when yeah, uh, The Wise Man's Fear came out. So it was out. like nine months or something. I didn't have to wait very long at all. And I read Wise Man's Fear immediately, but that copy of The Name of the Wind that Chad lent me, <laughs> it was like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Like, it, it, it literally went through like 15 people. The it front cover had been around. torn off. I don't know where it is now. I know it's in Portland. It might be at my ex-girlfriend's house. I think she was the last one to read it. She's blessed because she's got a book that has been loved so much. It's funny, you know, I, every time I read that book, I foist it on to like the first person that I think like, oh, this person can read. They're literate. And then I hand it to them and basically force it upon them. And as such, I keep purchasing the first one over and over again. And my roommate's girlfriend used to work at the same place that my roommate and I did. We both worked at the same place at the time. And... Just like a week ago, we were talking about the name of the wind. And in passing, she goes, oh, I have your name of the wind, which is like the 13th time that I bought it or something. And I hadn't found it for, I don't know, the last year or so. And so it was just like crazy that randomly my roommate's girlfriend now has my copy. It was just like, wow, I've, I've spread. P- Patrick Rothfuss should be sending me so many copies of that <laughs> book because I have just really helped the spread. So you're welcome, Mr. Rothfuss. I know you're listening. I always try to like pay attention to what people are reading when I'm out in public. I ride public transportation. I'm out and about quite a bit outside of my house and everything. And whenever I see people reading books, I try to like peek the cover and see what they're reading. The Name of the Wind, I think I've seen, that's the one I've seen out in the wild the most. Like that's the book that I've seen people reading out in public the most. Um, I've seen a lot of people reading like The Way of Kings. That's another big one. Same. Um, like just that big, it's easy to spot from afar. Yeah, totally. It's, yeah. it's a very recognizable <laughs> book. But I think The Name of the Wind is the like that little mass market or not little, but uh, that that mass market paperback of Name of the Wind, I think I've seen. And I've also bought multiple copies. What do you think about the cover? Sorry to interrupt you. I, no, no. <laughs> ask whatever questions you want. Uh, I don't love it i th- me neither I, th- I think it's um like iconic at this point like it's iconic it's kind of cool like in the sense that it's like the guy's back is turned to you there's something that's kind of like it kind of draws you in it's like what's this person like looking at or focused on or going toward but no it's not a very interesting cover at all like relatively like compared to some other covers out there if we could see his face it would totally ruin the mystique because he's probably like what 15 <laughs> like facing away from us if i was trying to get a cover for a book and they presented me with that i'd be like i don't like that at all but also it was 2007 so i don't know like things were different 2006 2007 or something like that i feel like just like hip-hop uh book covers were kind of going through a little bit of like a a, a mis- they were trying to find their home you know they weren't quite that like awesome 80s 90s like really cool colorful like high contrast adventure art uh so they're a little back. bit more mysterious me too man that was my favorite i think my favorite phase um, there have been some pretty cool ones released since then, but there's also been some very boring ones released since then. I mean, like, the the original one is pretty iconic. Like, the one with Quoth, uh, with his very red hair and his, you know, chiseled abs with the wind blowing through his hair and clothes where he's carrying a lute. Uh, like, that one is pretty solid. And then there's the other one with, like, the kind of, like, stone carving of a face with horns in the wall. That's right. Like, that one looks pretty cool for sure. 
Uh, I do like the uh, anniversary cover with the with the um, like the broken loot with it's like the broken loot and um, like a pillar with like a sculpture of, of a face uh, above it. Oh with, yeah, like, the that's leaves right. Blowing. I have that one. That one's pretty cool. I've literally never seen anyone on a bookshelf except for the original one, and I've always like been like I'm gonna buy the new one this time, and then I always just see the old one, and so I end up buying that one. Oh no, there's um. I mean, I've seen like the anniversary one, but obviously, like I I have pals where I'm at. You only have Barnes and Noble, so yeah. Is the anniversary the one with the one with the the leaves swirling? Yeah, and like the broken loot. Um, that's the it's like the kind of like gray one. I think it's got sprayed edges. Um, so that one oh, is cool. pretty okay. cool. And then there's like another one where it's like it's like a person with a hood that's kind of like facing you. Um, that's like standing in like. A, a framework of brand, like tree branches and stuff with like a lot of light at their back and then the the wise man's fear one is both with his sword with like leaves on either side of the cover for the most part i don't think the covers are great mm. uh, i think they're fine i think that the um the cover for the narrow road between desires is pretty solid uh, especially the uk cover where bast is uh, one hand has got like a bottle and then the other hand he's like touching the moon or something like that one's pretty solid i think it's very good the narrow road between or the excuse me the um slow regard of silent things cover is also not awesome you know um i think that they do have at this point with the time that has gone by with them being so popular i think that they have kind of carved their own aesthetic um over the years you know like Boy, i can... really like the one where he's touching the moon that's yeah, awesome yeah that one's probably the best rothfuss cover i've seen so far is yeah, the new beautiful narrow road between desires like we, we talk about covers all the time on here and stuff but i mean like obviously the cover of name of the wind it's kind of like the cover of um zelda ocarina of time you know where it's just like how fun could this possibly be you know it's just like a sword it just says the words that was like right. a gold cover like i remember as a kid i was like I always saw that game in like the the display case for all the Nintendo sixty four games, and I was just like, Psh, like that. That's probably like the worst game here. Like, why would they make it look like that? But then I played it at my cousin's house or something, and I was just I thought the whole game was Kokiri Forest, like the very beginning of the game, and I was like, this is like the best game I've ever played in my entire life, you know. And I had no <laughs> idea like how good the game actually was. So it really just goes to show. I mean, like, look at um, a Game of Thrones. Uh, not the original like silver cover with the picture on it but the um the really famous like blue cover you know with yeah uh, i think it's a sword or like a helmet or something i can't remember it's like uh, so clinical and boring it's very boring it doesn't look great at all i mean if anything um it just looks like those outlander covers which are also super boring you know um but that's not everything you know the cover is not everything i have made a lot of crit criticisms about name of the wind and wise man's fear i think mostly it, whenever I do criticize King Killer, I think mostly I'm kind of like scratching at uh, Wise Man's Fear because I think it is the weaker of the two books, personally. One hundred percent. Oh, do you, did you agree with that? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, fully, fully. And you just you just finished Wise Man's Fear, and I kind of wanted to go in and, and start talking more about like these two books in in particular. Um, we don't have to start at the beginning or anything. We can just kind of like let it go free free form. But I wanted to mentioned that like yeah i didn't finish wise man's fear this time around um i stopped reading around the time that quoth left to go hunt those bandits after he had kind of like learned how to play uh, attack and you know he's in like the like i was already pretty underwhelmed um because you know obviously i already know what's going to happen and everything but i think my, my least favorite part of both books is the part directly after quoth leaves the uh, the duke's household 
and goes hunt, goes a hunting um, with people I've never met before, and then starts lightning bolting people. Like I, right. I don't like it. I, I think it's uh, it doesn't fit to me. No, it's like he was reaching for action or something. He was like, "Oh, these are a little too dry. I need Kavoth to fight some and show off his skills." And it was just kind of it seemed like a little bit of a flex and not. It's like important a kid to the with a magnifying anyway. glass with ants on yeah. it. You know what I mean? It just felt like so un, like unnecessary. And like, um, I also, I don't like the story of the moon and stuff. Like, I'm, it's kind of, this is all a little hazy because I haven't actually read this part in a few years because I stopped reading this read through. Um, but I remember like he stops and he tells a story about the moon and like water and stuff. And it's just like, ugh, like, I don't, I don't care about any of this. And then he just kind of fucks off you know with Falurian and that entire part was the F word being the key word there totally but the um (laughs) I I really don't like that part either um and it's not because I'm prudish or anything that's not it it's just I think it's silly I think it's a silly part that um you know Quoth is just kind of smashing with like this like yeah it's it's, it's it's like hard to believe how beautiful this thing is this person is this this otherworldly like, and of course he's like, like amazing timeless at it. sex dungeon yeah where yeah he's so good at it she like gets mad at him for leaving and you know what i mean yeah like, and yeah, he's like 16. Like, it, it seemed like, like patrick roth was kind of like living a little bit vicariously through kavoth at that point and it just seemed a little like i don't know like desperate almost it was just it was just well, weird and kind of creepy even okay so there's a reason that I kind of started uh, leading us down the Felurian path, and it's because there's something about this that I really want to talk about. And this was this was something that I was thinking most of the time. And if you'll bear with me here, I have kind of a lot to say on this. So, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll get to the Cathay, but okay. Um, so, I really want to. What I really want to talk about is why the name of the wind, and more broadly, King Killer resonates with me the way that it does and so I, I think it's important to get this talked about because it's 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 like me trying to figure out and it's, it's really hard to figure out but me trying to figure out like where patrick office's headspace is at and what kind of game he's really playing here this is what i really this is the meat of what i really want to talk about with this episode let me, so let me just kind of like Start okay, lay it out for me. Okay, cool. Because I wrote a lot of stuff down, so I'm just going to kind of read some stuff, and and then you can interrupt me if you want. Cool. But here we go. <clears throat> so why does the name of the wind resonate with me the way that it does? And for me, it's because Kvoth is grinding for most of the name of the wind. I think that's a big one. Like I've worked in restaurants for most of my life. Uh, when I wasn't working in the service industry, I was working various manual labor jobs while also trying to become a career musician. And Quoth is a musician, so there's like another thing that I relate with. Quoth is struggling to pay his tuition at the university, doing whatever he can to keep some money in his pocket and clothes on his back while he's actually trying to get this other thing done. We all know this grind. Yours might be different than mine, but this struggle Quoth is going through while he's in school is super relatable. The challenges he has to overcome make sense. And though he makes a lot of really stupid decisions, it's still easy to root for him because as frustrating of a, of a character as he can be, as little as I wouldn't want to hang out with him, we're still on his side. He would be exhausting. But why are we on Quoth's side? 
So here's here's so here's in my head, we're on his side because Quoth has been put through hell. His parents were murdered, and not only were they murdered, but he had to come back to see his entire troop, his home, his entire life destroyed and in ruins, the bodies of everyone he's ever loved, the bodies of his parents, lifeless on the ground among the smoldering wreckage of his entire way of being that he's that he's known for his short life. The amount of trauma that is wrapped up into one afternoon is absolutely staggering, but we're not done yet. No, 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 no. This isn't. No, this no. isn't. This isn't a story where our protagonist goes to live with his mean old aunt and uncle. Like Quoth doesn't find a dragon in the woods and head off on a whirlwind adventure with an old man learned in the ways of magic and ready to dole out guidance. No, Quoth is fucking alone. He's alone when he confronts in the, the woods. He's alone when he confronts the Chandrian for the first time. He's alone in the woods while he has a music-fueled trauma response and slowly loses his mind with grief. He's alone yes. in Tarbian when he's starving and brutalized and freezing and terrified. He's alone when he finally picks himself up out of this situation after years of suffering and barely squeaks into the university. That is why we're on his side. That's why we can still root for this guy, annoying and smug as he can be. The reason I say all of this is because I'm trying to get to the essence of Quoth's character and what Rothfuss was writing here. And so I have some more thoughts about this and I formulated a sort of hypothesis, if you will, and I want to bounce this off of you, Chad. And I know it's a bit on the reductive side, but reduction makes content fun, everybody. Uh, A reduction (laughs) eruption, let's go. So anyway, I don't pretend to know the mind of Patrick Rothfuss. I have no idea what was going on in his head when he wrote The Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear, but I'm going to give you what I think are two separate yet possible scenarios we're working with here. Scenario one, Patrick Rothfuss is an absolute genius character developer, and he is sending us all for the most meta, most self-aware loop he possibly could. Let me explain. So Quoth in the present day, when he's telling his story, is a washed up, has been, nobody in the remote armpit of a who gives a shit village, right? Right. He is as opposite as he could be from the public eye, the center of the public eye that he was for so long. According to legend, he used to be at the very center of a lot of things going on in this world, but that's over. Now he doesn't play music. He can't do magic. He's afraid of his own shadow. He's miserable, right? Yes. But, but in walks Chronicler, the most famous of all storytellers. Chronicler asks Quoth to tell his story, and after not much argument at all, Quoth agrees. Yeah. What, what better opportunity for this shell of a hero to spin an epic tale which puts him in a light so fantastic as to live up to his own legend? What would make someone this low feel high again? Well, for Quoth or Coat, it would be embellishing the hell out of his own life. We have in Quoth the most unreliable of unreliable narrators. He's been lying this entire time. He's lying yes. about Denna in the sense that he paints himself as a victim to her charms. He's lying about Ambrose being the wealthy mustache You don't think he's twirly. a victim to her charms? Not at all. No. We'll get to that. Oh, okay, absolutely. Okay, we'll get okay. to that. He's he's lying about Ambrose being the wealthy mustache twirly villain to Quoth's working class hero. He's lying about the Chandrian when in fact his parents may have been killed in a totally random bandit attack, and he's just trying to add some sort of meaning to it all. So what is Rothfuss doing here? If this scenario is true, 
Rothfuss is showcasing the true nature of stories and not only how they're told, but how they're interpreted and how they can affect us over time. This is a story about stories. I mean, think of all the stories Quoth hears in the Kingkiller Chronicle that aren't in reality exactly the way they've been told to him. Stories are fragile, heroes are complicated, and not everything is as black and white as it seems on the surface. Maybe Rothfuss is taking forever to release this book because his reticence in its release feeds into the idea that an audience which demands so much out of a story is bound to be disappointed by its hero. So that was scenario one. And, okay. I, and and that's me giving like Patrick Rothfuss that's you. me that's me giving Patrick Rothfuss a billion credit points. You know what I mean? Like that's that's me, that's the best light I could paint it as. Totally. It, like so that's scenario one. Think it over at your leisure. You could pause the episode if you want, you could rewind that part. I'm not saying that's actually what's going on. It's just a fun thing to think about. All right, so thank you for bearing with me. Here's scenario two the probably more likely scenario. Uh, (laughs) This is my opinion, by the way, everybody, but Rothfuss wrote a pretty good story about a washed up hero who was once really good at a lot of stuff. It's fun to write tragic yet productive protagonists. It's fulfilling to write out a solid world and magic system and lore, but it got too big. People started predicting too much. And now he's gone through so many revisions. He's such a perfectionist that it's just an incomplete directionless mess. Maybe he's become a different person than he was when he first started, and now it's just in a weird limbo. He's grown distant from the story. He doesn't feel like the same person he was when he started as he is now, and it isn't coming out for a really long time. If that is the case, in my opinion, uh, this is just me, I think that's fine. I'm happy to wait and see what happens with this story. And if there's anything I've taken away from Kingkiller, it's that while stories don't usually end up the way you want them to, they are fun while they last. So yes, that's, even if they aren't complete. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that like a big thing with King Killer is that there is a certain narrative and character fascination with stories. And I think that like one of the main things that I think maybe uh, Rothfuss is trying to impart to people is that this world that Quoth has been told exists in a certain way isn't really that way like the auteur are different you know what i mean like 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 every story he's heard uh, like about um land ray and like about you know what i mean like every the chandrian even totally everything Jack. is it's all hearsay it's all it's all way different until it's actually really presented Tinker with myth. you right exactly so that that is my i thank you again for listening to that big rambling thing but like my hypothesis the, the one that paints Rothfuss in a very cool, like meta and very based light is this idea that like he is mostly telling a story about somebody who is completely shattered and obsessed with themselves. If you're kind of like reading along with a lot of this book for the fifth or sixth time, a lot of the stuff that happens, it really paints Quoth as either the ultimate hero or the ultimate victim. Like Quoth lighting a candle and going into the archives, the way that that's written out, ah, man, like I just, I think Quoth is smarter than that. Like, and and if he's not smarter than that, I think that he was, it it was a, a genuinely stupid thing to do. And maybe in reality, Quoth actually did have a candle and he really did bring it in and Ambrose had nothing to do with it, but it was something he blamed on Ambrose. 
those are the kinds of things I think about. I, I remember you telling me about your kind of unreliable narrative uh, hypothesis, like, I don't yeah. know, a couple of months ago, we were talking about that. And I am more, I've come along farther down that road than I ever have been before with this most recent read. I do think that Kavoth is a unreliable narrative in that he's twisting some things and he's definitely it's you you nailed it when you said it's a story about stories and that's very much reflective in the way that he tells his story but where i disagree is and i know you're not saying that this is necessarily what you agree it was just one of your hypotheses but i don't think that he is like i don't think that he painted some uh untrue tale about who ambrose is or that he wasn't actually uh all a twitter pated with denna or you know i think that the core of his story and how he's telling it though it might be embellished and painted to make him look very very good is true though i think that he certainly capitalizes upon the legends to kind of uh, make them like Kavoth 2.0. You know, he makes them shine a little bit more than perhaps they would if he, oh, he didn't put quite such it. the story. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Multiple times yeah. he admits to it. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't think that it's entirely unreliable and that he's just making everything up. Uh, and I think that we can, you know, I mean, Chronicler knew a lot of the stories going into it and everybody knows the stories of Kavoth, though I think at one point he even admits that a lot of those he told himself. You know, even when he's at the school, he'll tell of. I think when he learned the um, language in like three days or something, you know, he weaves these tales about himself and allows other people to. So why wouldn't he be doing it now? He is doing it now, but he's not he's not making them up entirely because like everything is based in like like a seed of truth. You know, even like the like the greatest lies, the best myths have a little bit of truth in them. I think these have a lot of truth in them. Yeah. I mean, um, I would certainly prefer it if most of what Quoth was saying was really true, because it would feel like that was two books that I just read of pure nonsense. Totally. And like the payoff for that would have had to be not just equally entertaining, but more entertaining and and much more justified than I think the story has the room for or the time for at this point. I mean, I don't know when the fourth book is going to come out, if there would be one. Uh, And I don't know if it could get explained away in the third one. But the reason that I kind of like bring up that theory of mine is because it's me trying to, it's me trying to think of a reason why this story is taking so long and why it's just kind of a shit show at certain parts and I think that it, it it answers a lot of those questions for me. Like, why wouldn't Kvothe, or yeah, Kvothe in the present day, explain about a shipwreck? Like, well, that seems like a pretty cool yeah. thing to talk about. Like, it it's like, I don't want to believe almost that Patrick Rothfuss wrote this self-insert, cringy, Mary mm-hmm. Sue, like, good at everything like misunderstood when it's convenient and and thoroughly understood when it's convenient character hmm. you know what i mean like it, it it's um it's like every single thing that happens to Kvothe is meant and and constructed to to tug at our own at our heartstrings and get us even more on his team so much so that it makes me not on his team sometimes his experiences with denna 
are really frustrating as a man uh, as a man in his 30s uh when i was 20 i was like man this girl is just taking him for a ride man like cause yeah, i didn't because i didn't know i didn't know that women when you're dating them or trying to date them are also other people you know what i mean like are right right <laughs> like, and like, like actual like, communication I, between adults is like a really wonderful thing and can really like help a lot <laughs> and you know um i hadn't learned the lesson yet that if you have feelings for somebody it's okay to tell them and if they say no it's not the end of the world and it's better to just be honest with somebody about how you feel and rip that band-aid off than to think of yourself as the victim and think of the other person as as intentionally or indirectly hurting you because they don't care about you and like telling yourself a story which is what quoth does with regard to denna he tells himself a story about her before he finds out more about her he tells himself he 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 aggrandizes this entire situation well, with her he falls in love with the idea of her that he creates in his own mind yeah which which also um I'm not even going to totally hold against him because dude's 15, 16 years old. You know what I mean? Like it's like, but what I'm saying though, is like, I have a hard time. I don't have a hard time. <laughs> I don't want to believe that Rothfuss wrote his main character to unironically and so straightforwardly be this stupid without some sort of without some sort of resolution which i think the resolution is very much hinted at with his sword being called folly uh with a lot of the other things that quoth does hint at in the present day which is why it's really frustrating to try and critique these books um well you know critiquing the story is not too hard but critiquing the character is extremely difficult because uh dare i say impossible because we don't have closure we don't have any way of putting right, any don't of this know into context yeah great it's folly really, is exactly it's very very difficult it's probably denna <laughs> but maybe the folly is him lying maybe he's a freaking compulsive no liar, no dude. his like, folly and one of the reasons why he's allowed to be so awesome we just never got the thing that he sucked at and the big mis the big mistake that he made and i really think that the big mistake that he is going to make in the book three that we might never get is both is going to open the he's going to open the lackless box and he's going to break the seal on the doors of stone that's bright that's binding jacks or he's called by a, a few other names as well but basically the first um namer the first like changer like if you look at the lore there was like yeah. the old the the um like the elves of their time or something that was like uh, there was a certain group that wanted everything to stay the same and then there was another group that were called the changers that okay so the yeah the two groups are called the knowers and the shapers and they kind of like end up breaking uh into these own factions and the knowers are just like everything's fine we need to leave it as is and the shapers learn the name of things and start to shape things after themselves and one of the most famous shapers was jack lackless um who well, is Jack's, and we think that he was. It says Jack Lackless is a luckless boy who we think is probably the same character of lore that's known as Eax. And this one is the one reason why, like, the moon spends when it goes down, it's not in the sky, it's in the realm of the Fae. And we think that he, I think personally, that he is Eax, is the one who's like locked behind the, uh, I think he's locked behind probably the four plated door in the mm. 
in the in the stacks, stacks in, the, yeah. in the university in the university or is it tomes? yeah is it tomes uh, i think it's stacks? the stacks it's the stacks yeah so yeah i think that he eventually via his like arrogance thinking that he'll be able to handle it he's going to open the luckless box and which will break the seal on this door and release this super evil person back into the world and then i think after doing that i think he's maybe like hiding out from this ex character and thus he decides to go hide off but i mean i don't know it doesn't really seem like his character to just be like oh whoops i made a bad thing happen and then run off he seems a little bit braver than that so I don't really know the connection between him releasing EX and then getting to modern day Kavoth, who's the innkeeper. But I think he definitely decided that he needed to lay low. I think that um, because of how deep this lore goes, um, that's probably adding to a lot of people's frustration with uh, not only the third book taking this long to release, but also it seems like we need more books like it's like it doesn't yeah and it doesn't really feel like we can wrap this up even if the next book is like 1100 pages long it's like it's not enough like you built up so much like there's so many hints there's so many and it's not even like you have like all these povs and like other storylines and stuff it's like you it's like there are so many different um aspects of the lore that feel like pieces of a larger puzzle that are so separated and uh, on their own little rivulets that may indeed lead into a larger stream but i don't we need more than these three days like there's yeah i feel like one book the i feel like the third book would be able to get us up to modern day kavoth but we know that like things are happening right the like scrail is that what they're called the scrail are like coming back with the spider the the dagger of legs yeah Yeah, spider demons those are coming back and and so and i think that's a byproduct of the releasing of this ex character and i think that i was always hoping my my expectation or like hope i guess as a reader was that the third book would get us up to modern day and then there would be another series after that like another three that would be continuing on you know that wouldn't be told in this um kind of storytelling um, method you know you know even with just that little dive into the lore that you did and i've done some of my own too and listened to some other interviews with rothfuss and things like that um it sounds like maybe one of the reasons why this third book has taken so long is because there's just so much and maybe rothfuss like doesn't want to do a fourth book uh which i mean <laughs> i feel like you really could just be like they could have a throwaway line and just be like, ah, I thought it'd be three days, but it's actually going to take four. And everybody would be like, that's perfectly reasonable. Like, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do agree <laughs> with you, though, that, um, you know, having a, a present day third person couple of books after the fact to keep going would be cool, too. Or, you know, we could have a situation where, okay, so there's like Bast is hellbent on getting his master to be back to the way he was right, right. obviously quoth has gone through it quoth is in his hide under the blankets agoraphobia mode right now you know PTSD, what I mean? like it's trauma very mode. bad it's it's as bad as it could be he's putting on a pretty good face but it's really 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 bad i think there's an element of self-loathing too because he hates himself yeah, for something that yeah. he did so 
what I would be satisfied with, and I don't know, I'm not speaking for other readers, but what I would be 100% satisfied with is Quoth dying at the end of the third book with this story told. It wouldn't make for a an exciting six book series, you know what I mean? Obviously, but right. I do, I'm not 100% opposed to the idea that Quoth is a gigantic missed opportunity or wasted potential almost and like a almost like a cautionary tale of like i i'm not i'm not saying it should be that way but i think that if that was like that but if if that was something that was like holding rothos back you know what i mean like what am i supposed to do with this guy even if i do wrap up like the backstory you know what i mean like i gotta i gotta arc him all over again you know like i gotta like do this over the next like uh, i don't again I don't know what the hell this guy's thinking. I don't know what's going on in Patrick Rothfuss's brain, but um, it could be a tragedy. There's so much about this story that I absolutely love that I think are handled in such mysterious and endearing and engaging ways. Like, uh, for instance, the Cathay at the end of Wise Man's Fear, which is, in my opinion, the the thing in Wise Man's Fear, honestly, in the whole, in both books that I found the most interesting is that that part with the Cathay be man. Oh my God. I was just like thinking about it. Like while I'm talking about it and like the first time I read that part, it was, it's so fucking creepy. Like it's, it's so, so creepy. it's so creepy. And if it Patrick was just tonal work is amazing, oh, man, oh, like, oh, like just, just uh, for people that don't know the Cathay is this mythical, legendary creature that while in the fey realm kvoth comes to the tree that the kathay is in and we never get a picture a clear picture of it it's almost described we don't even get to see it really just kind of it's shadowing shifting self up in the tree it's kind of described it's described as being serpentine it it really has like kind of an adam and eve sort of vibe to it with like the temptress or the tempter satan um you know and Kvothe's even like naked at the time when he it's a weird parallel but this thing is like a creature of super evil that can see the possibility of every outcome it can see all the different choices that could be made and every person that's ever talked to it uh like this ex character um we talked to it at one point and there's a bunch of other mythological beings that in the history of this realm after talking to the Cathay, had terrible things happen to them and the idea being that the Cathay pushed them prodded them poked them led them in the direction of the outcome that was the worst for the world because it's an evil creature and once and for them yeah yeah and, and especially for them so it's an evil thing that tries to bring out about more evil yeah that's perfectly put um you know it, it is there's it's rumored that it's like guarded by the sith the scythe sithe i can't remember how to pronounce that s-i-t-h-e and they will kill anybody with their longhorn bows from like a distance if they yes, find the out sith. that they've yes. it's so cool um the Cathay, in my opinion is one of the reasons why i think quoth might die at the end of all of this because if if quoth really if the Cathay really is as bad as bath says it is um and quoth isn't making this up uh i don't know if even our our dear old mary sue quoth being written the straight way that he is uh and not 
by an unreliable narrator as Chad thinks that it is like, it's pretty like 90% pretty true. Um, which I kind of disagree with, but like, if that's mm. the case, then Quoth is probably has already done everything horrible that he could and is about to die. And it's the cut flower silence of a man who's about to, who's waiting to die. You know what I Ooh, mean? Like, well like, like it's the Cathay, in my opinion, took wise man's fear from a kind of like doddering aimless weird book to that but also having the singular most gripping and important sequence in both books in my opinion like the cathay part is so freaking important to these books and like just the the tone like you said earlier the tone of it it's just like this it's like this laid back like presence of pure evil that like both it's like it's like when you're how do i put this it, it's like when you're a kid and you have like your first ever experience with somebody who doesn't treat you like a kid and who kind of like gives you a, a your first like reality check you know what i mean it's like you it's like mm -hmm. when you're a kid and you like tell an adult like this aspiration you have and it's like the first time an adult has ever like knocked it down a peg like it like maybe without really meaning to or whatever um that was how it felt to me like when i was reading it where it was just like man like this thing this thing is so confident in how much of a freaking moron quoth is and yeah. like and and it's so confident it's that like Kvothe. oh my god and then not just that but then to have this interlude chapter afterwards where bast is the most emotional we've ever seen him which is yeah. saying a lot because bast is very emotional but like yes. the, the the reaction that bast has uh it being in the fey realm and bast being of the fey realm like all of that put together was just masterful like that that really is like it's my favorite part, honestly. I, the I think duology. I, think I keep calling Cathay, it a duology. <laughs> yeah, it, it is at this point. I think that uh, the Cathay is Selatos, who is a powerful namer oh, who like allies yeah. himself with Lanray and Lyra during the Creation War, which sure. is between the namers and the or the shapers and the knowers. And it was the one that was rumored to have locked the most powerful um, shaper away. Eax, this character I've mentioned multiple times, behind the door. That I think his conversation with Kavoth somehow he influenced Kavos' actions to unlock Eax, to open the door, to undo what the Cathay did. And I think the Cathay wanted that to release Eax upon the world once again. Um, whether or not I'm right. Okay, so let me uh, take it on a slightly but kind Anywhere of related you thing. Anywhere okay, you want. so do you think that Bast is the son of Kavoth and Felurian? No. I don't. Why not? I think Quoth would treat him differently. You think? Yeah. Maybe Quoth. Maybe Quoth doesn't know. Maybe Quoth doesn't know. That's a really good time, point. Time goes different in the Fey yeah, realm, sure. right? And the only two characters said to have their eyes changing color over the course of this is both Quoth and Bast. There's a there's a thing where it's like um, I forget who it is. One of his um, friends at the. Um, at the university is like, oh, but when he's really impassioned, his eyes turn green. You never want to try to win an argument with Kavoth when his eyes are that color. And so and then it's also told to us later that Bast's eyes change color as well, meaning that either either that's saying one of two things, in my opinion, that they're either related and Reshi, in fact, means father or that 
Kvothe, in fact, has some fae in himself as well. Like, he's from a fae bloodline. He is a, a member of the Lackless family, which I think is probably more more likely. That is, yeah, I do think maybe Kvothe is a distant relative of the Lackless family, for sure. Like, that's... Yeah. I think that we learned a little bit about his mom being um, a noble's daughter um, and running off with a musician, which is just awesome, by the way. Like, I just, I really like that. Um, but also, I think maybe we didn't spend enough time with Quoth's mom and Quoth was too young to really understand. Right. Like, I and think his father and, isn't his real father. And the reprimand that his mom gives him for singing that song about Lady Lackless. Uh, right. The, yeah, so there's like, I think that's, pretty settled on honestly from a lot of the discourse that i've seen i Me too. don't think quoth is fey uh at least i've never heard that before the lackless i aren't think fey. like yeah he is well i mean he's 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 not no no you're right he's not he's the lackless is jack's lackless is ex this shaper sure. who's hidden okay. behind yeah, the yeah, of stone yeah, 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 and yeah, he yeah. created the fey well <laughs> he like called down the moon and then like made this box and the box is supposed to represent him kind of creating the fey realm which has like the moon in it when it goes away i don't know exactly what eax's relation to the fey realm is but he's or... not fey but he helped make it maybe um yeah uh i mean i think i that... think he's uh ancestors to lanray though okay but let's get back to the bass thing so you think oh the yeah, bass, yeah, yeah do you think that bass is close son uh, I don't, but I could. I'm like, I wouldn't I'm be like surprised. Only, I'm yeah. only 55% sure that I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't very be well shocked. Be. I just don't. I I just feel like both their their dynamic would just be a little different. I don't like it. And you're right that Quoth might not know, but I think Quoth would know. Like also, like Ambass would like kind of look like him, and it's never mentioned that they even look similar. Like, you, like right, and it's I feel not like, like Felurian had goat hooves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't think that, I think that uh, Rothfuss would have said something pretty cryptic about, like, not just their eyes, but, like, you know, like, two two men that had spent so much time together, they started looking similar, or, like, something like right, that. You know what right. I mean? Like, he would have, that's how he would have written it out, and, like, I mean, maybe he is, like, I, I really don't know, but it's just, it was never anything, I think Quoth took Baston because someone from the Fey realm in Quoth's mind is the only one that could like keep up with Quoth. You know what I mean? Like I think that right. Like, okay. It, Quoth is too distinguished to have a human apprentice. You know what I mean? Like, and that's maybe that sounds a little bit cop out ish, but like I don't know. It's just that's what it seems like to me. Okay, so I think a question bandied about a lot in the on on the Reddit communities back and forth is what is in fact behind the four plated door that is within the heart of the stacks. And before you answer that question, I just kind of want to talk about the stacks for just real quick here, because the stacks is one of the things in this story that is so full of that fantastical journey juice that I'm so fond of talking about as it's an infinite maze of books and we don't really get to feel like the wonderful and actually the extent of the fantastical journey juice in the first book as Kvothe is banned but in the second we learned that um after he promises promises to sacrifice his thumbs to um the stacks keeper lauren i believe his name um he gets access to the stacks again and he even ex he explains the stacks Kvothe does as like 
kind of a, a city and how there are bad neighborhoods and good neighborhoods. And if you go into, you know, go into any Barnes and Noble at any different time of the day and ask the employees how to organize, what's the best way to organize these books? You're going to get a different answer. And uh, Rothfuss brings light to that in these books by saying, you know, as the years have progressed in the stacks, then people have come and gone, different um, caretakers of all of these books, different ones have had many different opinions as to the best way to organize them. As they're so large, you can't, you know, one person couldn't possibly reorganize the whole thing. And so there's these neighborhoods, these areas of the stacks that organization is either, you know, kind of a combined thing of like multiple different like organization techniques or where they kind of ran into each other or they're just chaotic places where uh, just students who loaned out books didn't know where to put them so they just put them in these like piles and that's also where Kavoth goes looking for a lot of the um, inf information on the Shandrian and so I love the stacks there's so many mysteries in it there's puppet who we'll get to in a second because he's kind of related to this door but at the heart of this door at the heart of this stacks this huge library this maze of books is a door a, a four-plated door that we hear so much about it has uh, an inscription above it valeritas i think is what it is do you remember what the inscription it, is it's um i think i got that right i think you did you know say it again with confidence because you did <laughs> say it again with confidence you can edit uh, it you know oh yeah no it's valeritas yeah yeah Valer Valaritas, okay. yeah. Which is very similar to the Latin word for truth, I do believe. Well, Latin um, word which for is, truth veritas. is veritas. Uh, well, there is this part here where, um, like. So, what's behind the door? Man, I don't know. Okay, so like, uh, I, I really don't know because like, um, like I haven't done like a ton of really deep dives into lore. You know what I mean? Like, I read these books on a very kind of like surface level, uh, not very surface level. I mean, I dig in a little bit, but. Um, I think you have to have a very thorough understanding of, uh, you know, like uh, Lanray and um, Ajax and and like all the Burning Wheel and the the other door, like the the like the uh, the the creation of the doors of stone, in the sense of like the like the big like waystones and stuff, uh, and like the there's like multiple mentions of people being like trapped behind doors and things like that and like you know there's there's like Taylu and all this there's so many things like happening um i mean there is a part where um and not to mention also that like everybody's names are different depending on the story but i think that like most people there's like a common thread of like who these people are you know like there are fewer players than it actually seems like there are everybody just has different names for different stories that are being told about them you know what i mean so there's right. that which doesn't help at all but there's a part where um Kvothe and fella are talking and Kvoth says like hey like do you know like did, did the scrivs ever tell you like what's behind this or anything and then fella's like no i, I mean like i had a dream about the door once and you know she like points at uh Val valaritas which is inscribed and it says like and then she says valaritas was the name of an old dead king his tomb was behind the door uh and then quote says once i dreamed i saw i uh, uh, saw light through the keyholes but mostly i'm just standing here staring at it trying to get in as if standing outside while i'm awake isn't frustrating enough i do it while i'm asleep too which i thought was a really <laughs> good line um but yeah man like i don't i just i don't know like, I, I don't really have, like, a ton of ideas and, like, you know, it seems like you definitely have more of a grasp on the lore. So I would really like to hear your thoughts on it, too, because there's, mean, like, the Black little. of Drossom Tor. 
there's like the black of dross and tor and everything and like there's just so many different there's so much yeah there's so i, I many personally things. think that it's the beast that Lanray like slay i think it's ex sure. i think it's yeah. this um this shaper that was locked away and um you know he's jack's lackless and i also think that all of the information like the real juicy stuff about the shandrian is hidden there with him it's like a pile of shandrian goodies and eax who's like living in there and i think do you remember who puppet is yeah 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 so puppet is this Puppet basically just says like that's not something that his answer is like so cryptic it's just like that's not really something that people like you should know like that's well puppet he doesn't who do you say think he puppet is dude i don't know because like, puppet's an interesting character right yeah. he lives in the stacks and he has flame all about him in his room why do the other like certainly lauren knows the puppet exists you know it's he's the master of the stack so i think that puppet was the previous Eladin. He was the previous namer, namer yeah. uh teacher. And he's even wearing robes, I think, that are like like tattered old like Maestro's robe, uh Master's robes. And uh so I think he was the previous namer. And then I think he was given the task of watching and guarding this door. And that's why I think Puppet is. Um I, I don't know, you know and, and he might even be um nah, he probably wasn't a shit. There's the, there's like um, multiple doors, man. Like that's why it's what's like the group that fights the Shandrian. Uh I think that would be the Emir. Okay, okay, the Emir. And the Emir are created to fight the Shandrian, which are kind of like the representations of evil. The Emir are like the representations of good, and they all kind of fight each other. Um, I think but that it's Lauren, probably more complicated than that. It's, it's probably, probably totally more complicated. Not even I think the that way Lauren, that it was told and puppet are members of the emir interesting yeah amir i uh, know excuse me uh lauren probably i don't know about puppet i think puppet might belong in the rookery you know what i mean like like a little crazy like yeah, he got he got like, a little too like kind of like ari yeah he reminds me of like um like val kilmer in real genius which is quite the reference oh, for, any of, my, reference, for any of my gen xers out here which i'm not kilmer up to these days man he's so good um but with this like there's so there's like the four flight door which is in the uh stacks, stacks. and then there's the lackless door right that's the doors is, of stone that's actually separate i'm pretty sure i think like, you're right i think the lackless door is like <laughs> I I think that the <laughs> I'm sorry man like this is just this is so it's so hard to do this when there's a whole ass book that's not out I know it's, I it's know. all like pure conjecture and it's also like this isn't my favorite series in the entire world and so I like I yeah. haven't dug as deep and you can dig and dig and dig and like are are, are Ajax and Haliax the same person yes I think so okay I I think so Haliax because it's he's also Jax, and <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like everybody has like different names. And yeah, stuff, like, yeah. They depending like reinvent on the story. themselves. Um, but that's I mean that's again like the nature of stories. Like that's why Quoth is having such a hard time figuring all of this out. Like, which is again like one of my favorite through lines through the entire thing is just Quoth just hell bent on figuring out what's going on with all of this. Totally. Um, and again, why I think that it's going to have to be more than one more book, because really, like, there's so much more to be sorted out here, you know, like, even if it's like, like, why is he called both King Killer? 
You know what I mean? Like, why? The King like, Killer Chronicles. Did... What? Who's? What king has been killed? Well, I thought it, that was going to longest... be my next question. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, for the longest time, I thought it was Ambrose, but he's like twelfth in line for the throne or something. So I don't yeah, know. Like a lot of people but... would have to die. A like, lot of those peoples are like starting to die. I think there's like some rumors that things are happening, and I think that he's like working towards that position or something. I, I do think that Ambrose would be would have been the king that he will eventually kill. I think Quoth kills Ambrose, even if yes. Ambrose isn't the king. Like I think that Quoth does kill Ambrose. I don't think I don't think Ambrose is alive while Quoth is telling this story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if that if that was your question, like who I don't I don't have no idea. Yeah, who is gonna be the king that he's gonna kill? Yeah. Like I mean, with the way that like the lore works in these books and stuff, like a king could be the name of a woman monarch and it could be Denna. You know what I mean? Like who knows? Like it does it doesn't it's like <laughs> this it really it's all meant like king of my soul. Seriously, <laughs> like it, yeah, maybe it meant like king of Quoth's heart, uh, which it is him, so he killed like himself or something. Like, you know, it's it's I know that that's not what it is, but what do you think um, both has locked away in his trunk? Um, I don't know. I've thought about it. I, I thought about it a lot. So the, um, I think maybe one thing uh, that would be kind of like basic and a little bit not, not as, not as fun for the story, but uh, I would, I would think it's interesting is maybe his loot is locked away. Um, I know that that's not really lining up with some other stuff, obviously, but like just, you know, like music is just such a big deal. Uh, the idea that he would hide it away from himself. Um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting, but I don't think that's what it actually is. I don't really have much of an answer for that question. Actually, I'd like to hear yours. I think that it's part of Kvothe's name, which is why he's oh, so... Yeah, that's a way better answer than mine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's like a <laughs> well, million Which is why times. he's so like hollow and empty and he even tries multiple times to like break into it. I think... Someone that he shouldn't have messed with, possibly the Cathay, possibly EX, possibly Cinder, possibly Haliax, whatever, found out his name and locked it away somehow. Mm, yeah. And he's trying to get that back, which is like it? a, I don't know, maybe they gave it to him <laughs> to like tease him like it's so close yeah. but so far sort of thing, you know? Oh, it could be the cloak that uh, Florian gave him. Oh yeah, but maybe it's like a lot of stuff. Like maybe it's it could like be a lot it, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be the cloak that Fella gave him. You know, um, it could, might it could just be like, like you know, his name obviously, um, but his like his name maybe, could be maybe it's made his, up of it's, those things. It's his past. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It's like this lockbox you keep of all these pictures of you and your ex. You know, and you right. say you're never gonna look at it, but then if you get really, really sad, you just might. You know, if you have the you enough, just might. You have enough drinks. <laughs> Sometimes we all get sad. Uh, but, Sometimes yeah. we all get sad. But, How old uh, do you think present day Kavoth is? Thirty. Thirty. Like, okay, so like you think exactly there's significant 30. time? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's like nineteen or twenty. You know what I mean? Because he's like totally, sixteen totally. in Wise Man's Fear. Um, there's just times that it says like, and it really, he was no like. If you took away like, like twenty five, maybe, maybe yeah, he's like twenty five. Yeah, thirty's a little. I think that's old. about right. Um, yeah. Um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit. Okay. Uh, and I want to talk about one of the things about this story that has frustrated people a lot. Um, his women, and that's, and that's Denna. Uh, yeah. Um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to talk about it a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on Quoth's relationship with Denna? This is going to sound kind of mean, but I think that that Denna is a 
placeholder for the mysterious entity that is women and especially that the 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 role that women have played in Rothfuss's own life and perhaps Kavoth kind of gets the upswing of that but like I, I think, think it's self insert like you think yeah it's, okay yeah I think he's kind of painting this mysterious like I don't like the greatest mystery is you know like there's seven words that will win any woman's heart and Kavoth <laughs> which is actually really cool this is great Rothfuss actually if you if you look at the Kavoth sentences to Denna. There are so many of them that are yeah, seven it's words really long. It's really clever. It's really yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's very, a great very example of of Rothfuss's attention to detail for sure. Yep, just yeah. really good stuff. So, I think that she kind of got put in as a placeholder. She's a better idea than she is as a character because she's kind of frustrating, um, kind of wishy washy in like who she is. I don't think Rothfuss really ever knew or took the time to figure out and as mysterious as she is is how it denotes his understanding or rather lack thereof of the other sex and not saying that I understand them more I'm just saying that I think that it's a place marker for maybe his frustration uh, uh, with with relationships in the past what do you think uh, about Denna um I mean it kind of like lines up kind of with like the the credit I was willing to offer um the author uh with his intentions and like us not having the third book so we don't have any real context to lay up this up against so it's either like that or kind of like a lot of what you're saying where no it really was kind of just written this way um and if it was the latter uh, I would say it's pretty immature on close yeah. part um which also make kind of makes sense like I mean we were all 16 once we, we you know we we're all much more ignorant about um you know people we were trying to get involved with romantically um than at a, at a younger age than we are when we're older and stuff so we've all been um, confused romantics at some yeah, point like so like I want to uh, kind of like offer or not offer but like I want to like extend you know a certain amount of like understanding and validity to how Quoth feels about Denna while at the same time I, I think that Quoth like telling this in the present day still feels a little creepy like it just it just the way that he talks about her and the way that she that he says that she acts toward him are not proportionate you know what I mean like like it, totally. it's just it's just like the way that he just kind of has to stop the story like mid-sentence and like you know like she's waiting in the wings like she you have no idea like it's just like how how may i even approach describing and it's just like yeah, like she's just like a woman with like her own thoughts and feelings in the past and like it it's like he very much puts denna on a pedestal which i think maybe also could be the folly like it could be that you know like he was getting in his own way and Denna actually did kind of like him but he never really said how he felt and he just kind of like and honestly like maybe that's an experience that Roth has had it's an experience that I've had for sure like I've I've 100% had that experience where it's like yeah. I like I like somebody and like they at one point probably like me back like me back but then I didn't make a move and I just kind of like was so like careful he's so delicate it's like he thinks that she's gonna break all the time and it's, yeah, and it's like with kid gloves yeah, yeah and it's very um it's like dehumanizing and objectifying and and like totally and I think that I think Rothfuss knew he was writing a teenage boy that way like I I don't think that it was Rothfuss like taking out his frustration on a girl you know what I mean like this it, it does read like that sometimes like it does read kind of like 
um like in the way that it's not necessarily close um actions as much as it is like quotes observations and not only quotes but like other men in this town that are kind of like oh she's like super flighty and like you'll never get a good grasp on her and she's like in here one day and out the other and she's just such a free spirit and she's like the zoe de chanel of this whole college town you know what i mean like like she is the the white whale you know what i mean but it's like not really. I mean, she's dating she tons of guys like, like all the time. Like she's like, you know, well, she could just be like working to live. Right. She doesn't have like a like she she's she's going from like patron to patron because like she doesn't you know, she also needs to pay her bills also, so to speak. You know, she's not has this university career or something. So I think that she keeps going from patron to patron and manages to find herself in more and more interesting ones. You know, like we throughout the whole second book, her patron is extremely mysterious. I think it might be one of the Shandrian. I think um, both. Oh, baby. oh, yeah, that's. I think that's like real, but like, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I would like to see that explored in the third book too. But I mean, I think that Quoth, um, because of the way that he met her, like she was like the most beautiful person he had seen after years of getting the shit kicked out of him in, in freezing temperatures on the street. You know what I mean? And then he like gets in this wagon train and sees Denna and has like a connection to her immediately. That would, that's yeah like it makes a lot of like so i think what happened is like he captured that little boy love pretty well you know that pure like i think it was pretty well done honestly yeah i think i think if this many people are frustrated at the dynamic of their relationship i think it might have been done pretty okay because he is a reminds us like if quote was 25 and treating Denna this way, Ugh. I would be a lot more inclined to say this is a self-insert and not very well thought through. But I do think that like Rothfuss is a smart person, and you know, like I think he he was older than Quoth and probably had gone through these kinds of experiences. Um, but that being said, like um, I do think Denna is kind of portrayed as a sort of like manic pixie dream girl kind of right. she's an idea more than she has a character yeah but that's i mean quoth is telling this story and it's, it's quoth's failing to see her that way and i think it's right. like pretty well executed like i don't know and in I his don't... own words you have to be a bit of a liar to tell a story the right way <laughs> or a lot of a liar i don't think or we're gonna, a lot of a liar I don't think we're gonna, yeah um but like yeah i mean it it's it's funny like my feelings on the denna quoth thing have like oscillated so much because like at first like when i first read it i was just like man this girl is leading him on so hard like the poor guy like both is such a victim here like he's such a good dude and like oh, he's, he's so much more talented and like obviously likes her so much and like respects her so much who is like, this so, girl even dude but then like as i got older and i started reading this more and had more experiences with other people and dating other people and figuring all this shit out which it is just a total minefield of like trying to figure this stuff out on your own yes but like people are are entitled to feel however they feel about you you know like yeah <laughs> you are not in control of how other people how other people express their feelings to you you know what i mean like it's just it's just a thing you have to figure out over time you know what i mean like you put your best foot forward and if somebody doesn't reciprocate it's not because of some failing of them not seeing like how awesome you are you know like it's it's not it you know um some people just aren't that into you and i think in denna's case <laughs> um she's just not that into quoth you know and i think you that, think so i don't think she is like i think she I mean, was she's... i think she was for a little bit just got um, kind of tired of him 
tired of his why games and you? He's nervous. Like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't you get tired of like this person treating you like a bird's egg all the time and getting mad at you when they find out what you do for money and getting mad at you when, you know, I think that he also, if we look at it through the lens of like him just knowing her, it makes sense for him to get protective. Like I would get protective of anybody I was friends with, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but, but he does it in a possessive, but, right, not exactly. cool way. It is a possessive, not cool yeah. way. And so like, yeah, I mean, if like, if, if you showed up with a black eye, I wouldn't be like, ah, Chad's his own person, you know, like he, no, like, yeah. I, 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 but I, I would I, hope that you <laughs> like had the follow-ups. No, no, but like, there is just a line and I don't know, I think it's, it's handled pretty well like you just ha you have to look at it through the lens of this is a 16 year old kid you know what i mean like of course he's gonna feel the way that he feels and like of course the the ways that denna acts are going through the filter of quoth's brain too his 16 year old idiot brain like right. and that's why i wonder sometimes like is denna even really acting as affectionate toward quoth as quoth thinks that she is like are like you know what I mean? Like is he misinterpreting? Like, because that's happened to me before, dude. That's totally yeah, happened me to me. Too. Like where I've just been like, man, this person suits so like, it, all they got to like, I just got to make the right moves and we're in, you know. So and it's the like, right no, string of words together, just like, like Kavoth. Right, but like some people just don't feel that way about you, right? You know, and um, she could see know. him more like a brother. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's I don't know. Those are, those are my thoughts. So. Yeah. yeah, I like those thoughts. I yeah, I do. I do. I think there's a little bit of him reliving maybe some of the angst maybe. of his past. It's but pretty I do angsty. Think yeah, it's pretty angsty. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. angsty. Yeah. And like, woe is me and tragic and stuff. But I do think he does touch on you know as he grows and as Kavoth grows. You know, there's like a conversation where Kavoth's like mad at her for her patron and what she does for work, and he's being very unhelpful and it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't like have like no relationship with this person and then try to tell her how to live her life or to conduct totally. her business like and i think that's pretty like, well laid out in the book like i didn't walk away from that thinking rothfuss was like and and denna should succumb to kavoth's like you know it, it was none of that i think he did a pretty good job of her of him kind of describing her as her own entity but man it's definitely a little his women characters are his female characters are very mysterious and there is a certain point where the mystery kind of turns from aiding the book to becoming a little bit frustrating and i think that happens with ari as well in the under thing there's just a little bit of frustration there sometimes yeah i mean i think that that is that's pretty valid critique of of it like you know fella is just like it's she's just so freaking beautiful and just like, so freaking hot and, yeah and, and ari is so skinny and delicate and like you know what i mean and like and denna Litty. is just like denna is so beautiful like quoth is just like about to weep at this table like thinking about <laughs> her again and like every every girl is just like you know delicate and beautiful and skinny and like yeah I, yeah i mean that's right i mean even when like, he gets his pipes right he sings some song hoping someone picks up the other half of this uh this yep. song you know and she picks it up and nails it of course you know and it's just like as if you know but see that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying is like dude maybe quoth is just like crazy you just know a what I mean? super liar dude, but, but then like, why would like, bast be following him maybe he doesn't know bast would know he's, bast wasn't, he's gotta but, know things i don't know man like that's what i'm thinking is like and again this is not a very for, for you listening right now, you've made it two hours into this. 
Good for I'm, you. I'm not sticking to this argument. It's just really fun to think about. Yeah. Because I know it would be such a weird thing to do to have quotes just literally lie for three books straight because like totally there is a line where it's like all right i'm gonna i'm making my readers read total bullshit right <laughs> right like, right maybe don't do that you know like i mean there's no rules in writing or whatever but like maybe don't make your readers read 2200 pages of absolute lies you horse know? Like, manure yeah but then again also like it was a pretty good story so <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you think like, happens on the boat scene when he like decides to just skip? There's this weird section in the second book where Kavoth just like he's like, oh, let, me, let me find out real fast. It's because it's interesting. There's this interview with Patrick Rothfuss where someone asked him asks him why during the uh scene in The Wise Man's Fear where Kvoth like briskly just like skips over a large chunk of seemingly very interesting story about he was on this ship ride and it was a very eventful ship ride. He mentions that the ship sank. He was the only survivor. He was robbed and beaten and left penniless at one point. All sorts of wildly interesting yet weirdly summarized plot points gets totally brushed under the rug in like two sentences. And when asked about it, Patrick Rothfuss says... There's a distinct reason that I left it out. And he asked fans to trust him, which is honestly kind of a tall order at this point. But, uh, <laughs> you know, at the time that he said it, maybe people were a little more willing to extend that olive branch to him. But what do you think happened then? Why did he lead, leave out this huge chunk of very interesting story? You know, there's like this weird dark sailor who gets on the boat with him. I always I keep doing this, but I think there's like two possibilities. One of them is that Rothfuss seriously just couldn't be bothered to write it, and he's right, just right. being and he's just being cryptic about it. Um, I don't think that's impossible, uh, but I don't think it's like super likely either. But like anyway, um, and I think another thing maybe uh, as far as the story goes is maybe it's something that Quoth really fucked up that like he's not even willing to talk about like that's what i'm thinking it is is it's like it's like he's been so willing to talk about so much of this but like maybe like the shipwreck was his fault and it was kind of like some sort of um, he was trying to call the wind <laughs> or or maybe someone was on that ship that died that according to legend um wasn't on that ship and died in a different way and it like and it like incriminates you know what i mean like maybe i'm thinking maybe something happened on that ship where it's just it was it was the worst thing he had done up until that point and it didn't really fit into his story that he was trying to tell that's just right a, right yeah. like a 16 year old who commits like mass murder or something because there's it's it's an interesting lead up because he's saying goodbye to uh Elidin on the bridge leading to the university and this strange dark figure like passes and with his cowl of his cloak up and Kvothe is like who's this guy and then later when he's getting on to just very real quick later when he's getting onto the ship he sees that very same dark sailor get aboard go aboard that ship but sure. it's also later told we're told that he was the only survivor so I think something with that dark sailor he was one of the Shandrian he knew something something about that that Kvothe maybe reacted emotionally and decided to just kill him and in doing so brought the whole ship down i don't know but it also says he was mugged at some point i don't know there's a lot of story there that i really want to know like with a lot of this story that i don't know if i ever will be uh, told but you know what i'm gonna stay optimistic i will know at one point i will know we'll know and it, you we know will. what like we'll, we'll take a little side trip over back into a third book discussion again real quick but like it'll probably be good like it won't be as good as everyone wants it to be because of all the time that's gone by, but 
I think when the time comes, I think we'll get some questions answered. And I think it'll be like, it'll be cool. Okay. So at one point, there is a quote that says, uh, there are three things that all wise men fear. Do you, can you remember the three without looking? Don't Google it. Can you remember them just off the top of your head? It's like the anger of a patient man. Gentleman, close enough. Gentle you get man. it. Ding, ding, uh, ding. A sea and storm. Yeah, nice work. Oh, look at me. All right. Damn. Ooh, that's um, good. That's good. Is one of them like animal related or something? No, no. Okay, it's, yeah, I don't uh, remember what the third one was. Yeah. Okay, so before getting to this, so the sea and the storm is when he goes down. I think that's a reference to him at sea it's a sure that yeah, event okay. and yeah, i think totally. the oh, anger of a gentle man is a reference to lorne the lauren. stacks keeper lauren yeah. um excuse me uh lauren the stacks keeper being kind of a, a quiet yeah. no, gentle I, I man agree with you. i agree with you yeah. and he's mad he kicks you know very angry um and then the third thing is a night with no moon oh that's what it was yeah yeah now where does the moon go when it's not in the night sky it goes into the fey realm because old ex put it there because he because because ex because remember so so um jack's lackless is like on this quest down the road and he runs into a tinker and the tinker is like i see that you're a sad boy and let me interrupt you that's another story that seems like a story just that he just it, totally it, made it, up but it, no 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 no, no. It, it, that seems like a story that has much more to it than is being told on the surface. It's like, oh, that's, what, sure. that's, that's like, I keep coming back to this because it's like, that's what this entire series is about, is about how these stories that are being told, including this one, have a lot more going on about them. So carry on. I'm just, I just. We even this... get it told to us twice over the course of this, once by a, somebody, a tinker, and then another by maybe Quoth himself, but they're told differently too. So. Jack Slack Luck Lackless is walking down and he has uh he's sad. He has his family has a long uh, fabled history of problems and sad things. And he's one of the oldest families of the realm. And he comes across a tinker, and the tinker says to him, I'll make you a deal. If you cannot find something within my wares that makes you happy, then I will give you all of my wares. And so he looks through all of these things and he doesn't find anything that makes him happy. However, he does manage to find a pair of spectacles and putting them on, I guess, before he couldn't see the moon clearly. Maybe he has eye problems. I guess that's what's insinuated. And he puts on the spectacles and he sees the moon. And he says, if I could have the moon by my side, if I could capture the moon, then I would be complete, says young Jack Lackless. And... So then you'd think, you know, he's like he as such, you know, the Tinker loses. And so the Tinker does give him all of his wares, which Jack's like a total a-hole totally takes all three of the guy's bags, even his hat and his walking stick. Um, but he gives to the Tinker his broken house. And I think that the broken house that he gives him is the what and, and and instructs the tinker go fix my broken house and i think that the broken house is a reference to the under thing under the university um interesting yeah i think that's what and then the tink i think the tinker couldn't fix the house which was the under thing which is like an old city um that uh that, that was just you know broken or something i always thought the and, under thing was like the original university I think it's the city that was built by either like the knowers or the shapers or the lackless oh, family okay. prior yeah. to sure, yeah. um because it's called 
oh gosh, I, I forget the name of it, but there's, and it even says someplace, there's like a, an address at some point that says to the, this, and that's like referencing this really old city that the lackless family like started. And so I think that this tinker went to go fix the house and then ended up creating the university as we know it today. And the only reason why I think that is really nerdy stuff is if you take the, the, um, if you draw a line from the university to, to where the Jack started his path to find the moon or whatever comes across the tinker and you draw it to the, it says that he goes to the mountains and if you draw a line from where he starts to the mountain, the university is like directly along that line. And so that's why I think his broken house is there. And then he ends up going to this. He goes to the mountains. He goes to find the shack there. This like magical. It's like kind of a analogous fey thing. It's one of the um, like fey portals that he finds or something. And then he plays his lute, I think. And then the moon comes down and he ends up convincing the moon to give him uh, her real name, which he then uses to capture the moon in a box which i think is what is in the lackless box is the moon so why would it be <laughs> yeah i mean like <laughs> so why is it one of the wise man's fears would be a so moonless that's night i don't know sure um yeah. because i don't know maybe the moon has gotten out of the maybe, maybe that maybe that means that ex has gotten free of his cage because he has done something mm, to the moon okay. maybe it's yeah, a reference to yeah. that though i don't really know why but that kind of seems right in my mind but yeah i don't know okay. that was kind of my question behind that whole diatribe of history is what is what is up with that night with no moon do you have any theories um i mean i think it is it relates to that story but yeah i think it's hard to say because there's two there's like different versions of that story right so so it's difficult for sure. Yeah, there's a really, and I mean, maybe that's to to Rothfuss's credit in his story is he knows how to weave a tale with, because like, I keep like wondering, like, what about this world? What about this character? What about this story captures me so well? And I think the Malazan, the, the Malazan Book of the Fallen does it similarly well. And so does Harry Potter, actually, when you get to like Hogwarts and there's so much history and mystery. There's mysterious history in this world that really makes the like the story live off of the page there's like it's legendary you know it has this like feel to it that i can't quite quantify but i know that it has a lot to do with like legends and histories being built into this world and like i said malls on book of the fallen does it well harry potter and um does it very well when talking about hogwarts kind of paints this picture of just like this legendary mythical place and somehow in the name of the wind it really captures this like legendary juice that has this history there that is um it really captures the the um attention of the reader oh absolutely yeah i mean like i i think that most of like my engagement with this has been like apart from like me loving the journey that quoth went on in the kind of like first like like half of name of the wind which endeared me to the story because of his relatability. Um, I think that the thing that really props up the rest of the series is just how mysterious this stuff is. I mean, like what is behind the four plate door? Like what's up with the Chandria? And like, why did they let Quoth live? Right. You know, like why, like, why didn't they kill Quoth? 
I think it's because he holds he's his bloodline holds some ability to free EX, which they won't to have happen. Why? So they don't want to kill him. Because okay, so let, we should go back to that spot actually. Because okay, the part where um, uh, close parents die, and the Chandrian are you know, <sighs> sorry, I'm trying to think. There's so there's like the there's like um, the the person that's sitting in like shrouded in darkness. You know. Oh um, right, right, right. So the, uh, the, it's okay, it doesn't matter. So the Cathay says uh they were in a hurry. Like that they were like something scared them away. Because somebody was coming up to their group and then all the chatter all the Chandrian like looked at the same spot in the sky, right? As they were like looking for something. Uh, right. And then like both thinks that he's like being watched. I'm like remembering all of this. Um, but like, why didn't they just like, yeah, like just like <laughs> just like kill him really fast? Like, right, it right. was like we have to leave like right this second. But I've I've also heard a theory that uh, Quoth is one of the Chandrian. <laughs> Me too. I've heard that theory. <laughs> like, theory oh, also. Have you really? Yeah. But yeah. I don't, uh-huh. really, I don't know about I don't know about that. One of my favorite one of my favorite theories is not actually to, with this whole story and and books is actually not having to do with the story itself, which is having to do with Rothfuss, which is that there was like another person that wrote these books that died that Rothfuss was oh, close to, wow. and that using his the notes of this other person, he was able to piece the first two books together. And then he has not been able to make anything new because he can't actually write like that. Um, and so he has just kind of been just trying to grab milk it for money. And, and as long as he can, you know, I don't think that it's real, but it's a fun, it's one of my favorite theories about this series. You know, also the, the only other attack that the Chandrian pull is in, it's also in name of the wind like that wedding. And they mm-hmm. left someone alive for that too. So maybe they like intentionally left Quoth alive so that they could so like to like carry the message of them or something. You know what I mean? But then That's also right. but they killed Quoth's parents because of the message about them. So it's right for sharing so, information. Yeah, exactly. So like maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just a coincidence that they left somebody alive, but it just seems sloppy. But that's what it's the a girl, said. right? It's like a village yeah, it's girl. The, it's like that girl that comes to the university and is like, ah, uh, like where's that's right. And then what? Oh, wait, what no, sort is of it? demon creature? I don't think she goes to the university, but what sort of no, demon she doesn't. creature he, like, does Kavos? Sorry, I got that mixed up with something else. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I just think it's kind of weak that like the Chandrian, like the Cathay's excuse for it is just like they were sloppy, and it's just like really though like the really though like they're not okay. sloppy yeah like, like nah whatever. nah do you have any suspicion as to why they killed the wedding party no i don't know i have no idea yeah no me neither i do think that um the mysterious patron of of um denna in the second book is cinder probably oh absolutely like yeah no yeah. i 100 percent. or at least i don't know if she least, knows that at the very least one of the chandrian um, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. At the very least, one of the Chandra because he's super mysterious. He's like seems pretty like vicious, but she's also learning an old magic from him because she's she mentions multiple times the like knots of something because she's trying to learn a different type of magic. There's like this interesting conversation. I think it's in the second book where she's asking Kavoth and his classmates about how magic happens, and then she kind of asks about like these the knot tying magic, and it's like sure. apparently a totally different form of magic that she is trying to learn i think why i don't know 
I have another cool little theory here. Okay. So, uh, Haliax, after Kvothe's parents are killed, says, this one has done nothing. Send him to the painless blanket of his sleep. Right? And they don't kill Kvothe, which is why I asked the question before. But I've also seen a theory that said that the reason Kvothe has an, 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 an Alar of Ramston's steel and is able to like to like split his mind the way he is is because right. they did kind of like charm him a little bit and that was the reason why he was able to kind of like split his brain when he was like going through the trauma response in the forest and stuff and like it's just never really turned off oh. and like yeah which is a he has really like, a, like he's really cool. good yeah, it's, that, it's I mean, like what a of, cool idea you should use that i'm gonna use that and look like the bad guy breaking the, like the reason that the good that their protagonist has a skill is because the bad guys broke his brain. I mean, that's, that's a how cool it worked. In, that's like in Harry Potter. Like he has, uh, he's, he's oh yeah, that's right, because, huh? Yeah, that's already a thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah, he's like part. Yeah, also, darn, darn so it. Fun, fun. While we're talking about Harry Potter, I do want to bring up something. Um, and this is just my excuse to be cheeky on my own podcast, <laughs> right? But um, I have compared uh, King Killer to Harry Potter publicly. Uh, and I've gotten some pretty angry comments from people. They both go to magic like, school. It's like, well, like pretty. Some people are like, these books are nothing alike. I don't know why you would compare them. And it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> we have we have here on our hands uh, an orphaned boy uh, who goes to school to learn magic. <laughs> this prestigious school to learn magic. Uh, he has a a rival who is rich um a nemesis if you will one of the teachers absolutely hates him for seemingly no reason yes. um lorne is obviously lupin you know what i for mean sure. <laughs> like it's like a lupin stand-in um i i i have a hard time like it's hard for me to like not draw these connections i mean like, like roth is definitely read harry potter yeah. Sure. I think on yeah. his blog I think on his blog he said he's only read the first four or something. Uh-huh. Like, okay, Rufus, like, <laughs> sure. Yeah, because he <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the man is very, very afraid. And that's one of the reasons why I think that the third book never got created is he really wants it to be, you know, I, I got I made the mistake of trying to make when I started writing a couple like two years ago, right? Right about the same time. Well, I really seriously started like trying to write was I got in my own way a whole bunch by trying to make everything so original. I really wanted an original story with original. I'm like, man, you can't do anything original. Nothing is original these days. Um, you know, just make your story because truly it will be different because the very act of like you writing it or me writing it. No one else can write my story, even if certain elements are the same. Yeah. And oh yeah, that's not I think the same. That yeah, like tried this is... way too hard to make it too different. You it's know, different enough. Like me comparing it oh, isn't a sure. bad thing. Like, no, it's like, not at all. But I think anything, to, I think really to cool. Rothfuss it is. Yeah, maybe. I I mean, like I said, like we can't like every time someone guessed. Yeah. In fan fiction, every time someone guessed something right, I think he rewrote his story. Uh, I've seen that kicking around the internet too, with um, also with George R. R. Martin, and I think that George R. R. Martin has even, like, in as many ways, said that it's really frustrating to go on the internet and see somebody predict 
Like, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I feel for yeah. you, man, but like, if you want to avoid that, you could probably just like finish it. Like, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like, not you don't want people that talking guy, about what like, might happen, yeah, right? Like what does happen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real person who does, you know, be mad at who you want, uh, demand what you want from whom, but the real person that we should all have a big heart for is the recently retired Betsy Wolheim, his editor. So what do you think is going on in the present day with like Simon and Willem and Mola, Fella, Devi? Like he had friends. Like, he did. What do, you th- do you think they're all like dead or do you think they're all because he hasn't reached out to anybody and they all knew. Who he no, was. I think that's one of the reasons why he's on the run is is a is it he a just protection, but so also bad. to protect him. Yeah, I think he released the biggest baddie of all bads and that thing is uh, now trying to kill him maybe or something he's definitely off either i don't know it doesn't really seem like he's trying to like recoup and before he strikes out again it really does seem like he's waiting to die but that could be because maybe he's had his name ripped from him and put into a box i don't even really know what that means but um i think he distanced himself from his uh past in order to maybe protect his friends sure yeah Perhaps. I don't really know. Because his friend group was really awesome. And Kvothe can be a very frustrating character to just spend time with him. Like, I was really sad in in the second book when he left the university. Like, man, I was like, there's so much. I mean, you know, the school trope is my favorite place for a story to take place. And so it's always going to be sad when we go. It's kind of like in the um, final book of Harry Potter, where it just like didn't feel like Harry Potter because they're just like wandering through the woods for most of the book and then you're not at hogwarts and so much of that story is hogwarts you know when does quoth come across scarpy the storyteller in tarbian i think the first time when he's a waif a young wastrel <laughs> yeah like it's like, okay because scarpy gets like scooped up and taken away for like telling stories you know that's right that's is right that, am i right about that I'm like, yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. and i think yeah. scarpy is the one that tells him the story that i told of, of land yeah, of Landry or or of Jack Slackwood, Lashless sure. or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, but doesn't he call him Quoth? Doesn't Scarpy call him by his name, and Quoth never gave it to him? Maybe there's something weird about him. So I want to ask you about the Waystones. What do you think oh, is yeah. up? Because like some people have said that those are also doors of stone. They're like a um. I think they're doors like, to the Fey Realm. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, I don't see how else i mean because like isn't that how he gets into the fey realm anyway don't they like stop at a waystone i i wasn't I think so i wasn't reading this time uh i i stopped reading before this part this time and it's been a few years since i read that part but like when he's with the uh bandit hunters and stuff uh don't they like stop yeah, at a waystone? He acro- yeah he comes across a, i forget exactly what i read it like was it a five days night? ago i literally should it, dude it might oh man it might be a moonless night that he goes wandering into the woods and like kind of yeah. accidentally passes into the fey realm that yeah. I think is right. I can't remember that because in my mind I'm like he just wanders off. But I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like there's more to it than that. Like he doesn't just. It's not like he's. It's, it's not just like Falurian. Like Quoth, come, come on, let's go. Like it's time for us to have sex for a thousand years. Like in like a hyperbolic Fey time chamber. Like it, there's more to it than that. There's not more to he the travels, sex dungeon hyperbolic time chamber, but 
Yeah. Right, right. He travels uh, in the direction of the full moon, and apparently Felurian uh, oh, travels to the moon. four corners of like whatever of the Fey Realm during the full moon. And so a wise man fears the moonless night because he can be pulled into the Fey Realm by the full moon um, uh, by a fairy. Okay. Yeah. I guess when the moon is full. I mean, it sounds be pulled. like okay. being pulled into the Fey Realm by a fairy is pretty cool. So Yeah, pretty awesome, like, dude. Like, I wouldn't really fear it. But then also, you know. It's like um, uh, Odysseus being trapped on that island, uh, you know, just banging away for too long, you know. So I, I guess oh my gosh, there's like, there's like that whole thing. Oh, I have another question. Uh, sure. Do you think Quoth is going to, in book three? Do you think Quoth is going to run back into Ben? Oh, Abinthi. Yeah, and also Ben, Ben Kenobi. Come on, like oh for sure, right, okay. right, right. They, Absolutely. They, yeah, you think he's going to run back into him? Absolutely. He's not, I don't think he's yeah. dead. In fact, he yeah. might even be one of the the reason that uh, Abanthi dies. I think Ooh. maybe he come meet, re meets up with him and accidentally kills him or something. Do you think Ben is an Amir? Ooh, good question. I don't. I mean, no, no, I don't think. Yeah, it's just it sounded cool when I thought it, but then yeah, I wonder what uh, Roth because like tinkers are an interesting thing in this world, right? Because they they almost kind of have this mythical ability to like there's more have to tinkers. the thing that you need. Yeah, there's more to tinkers before you even knew that you needed it. You know, yeah, there's more to tinkers. You never be mean to a tinker, you know. I'm wondering, kind of, kind of going back to my question about Quoth not being killed by the Chandrian. Why didn't the Chandrian like hunt him down? Quoth, yeah. Yeah, I think they know that he has a bloodline, that there's okay. some sort of prophecy that then he's going to need mom? to do okay. something. I think to set him on the path of, of you know, because he's like, like trying to get back at them, like he's trying to take them down. He wants to hook back up with the Emir. He's trying to figure yeah. out more about. But in doing like, so, I think it'll lead to the machinations. Because remember, I think the Sh I mean, I don't know, but I I would imagine that the Shandrian like go talk to the Cathay from time to time, and they're like, okay, you see every possible like outcome. What do we need to do in order to get this to happen? Um, the releasing of Eax and the doors of stone to be broken, and hmm. uh, yeah, and I think the Cathay maybe was like, go kill this guy's family. You need him alive, though, because we need someone who's like has the lackless bloodline in him in order to undo this seal on the doors of stone and release yada yada and who knows whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that's as close to a, a an answer, a decent answer as we'll get for sure. Yeah. Um, One thing I really love about these books is the um, it's just sympathy in and of itself. Like the magic system. Oh, we is haven't even started so on the cool. magic system. Yeah, it's Man, great. I remember actually trying. It, it sounds like something that would work in real life. It sounds yeah. like something that would work. It just like really makes sense. Yeah. Um, I remember reading that the first time, like the lodestones and stuff. And like, I mean, that was basically, <laughs> okay, let me just, let me just qualify this. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm not an <laughs> astrophysicist. I'm not, but there, that was kind of like, wasn't that kind of like proved like last year that there's um like, like, uh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Like, the, like if you have like one particle on like one side of the universe, it could like still technically connected to another oh, particle on the other. What was that called? Spooky action at a distance. Yeah, that's called yeah. an entangled particle, and it's a quantum sure. entangled particle. Yeah, exactly. Like that was basically like proved that that's a thing. Uh, in oh the yeah, universe for sure. Last year, and so one hundred percent. Like what information Roth... is traveling faster than the speed of light, thus breaking physics, which is wild. Yeah, and it's people are. They, it, it, <laughs> I feel like that wasn't talked about for very long because a lot of people were like, "Don't know what the hell that means." That's weird. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that Rothfuss was kind of like tipping into that as well with this magic system. Um, you yeah, know, just on a very, cool. very, very, very basic idea. level. 
obviously, um, you know, it's, it's hardly the exact same, but you know, in principle, you know, the idea that like, yeah, you're cutting something in two, but the, that thing is still that thing, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And the more that things are alike, the more you can create a sympathetic connection to them in your brain. And if you ever like commit yourself to it, then it can take like more energy. Yeah. And uh, then, so like that really easily kill yourself. It all makes sense. Like the magic thing. I never really thought it was much of a Mary Sue trait for Quoth to be really good at this magic because the way that the way that Rothfuss kind of set up the magic system is that you really just have to have a really thorough understanding of it almost. It's like, it's not right. necessarily it's more scientific. Yeah. It's more like, like Foth just really takes to it. Like Foth just mm-hmm. really um, understands it. And That's has lackless and, blood. Maybe, but, and also, I mean, it was taught to him such a formative age when he didn't really have like a whole lot else going on other True than that. like being in this troop and doing other stuff. But like, um, and then, okay. Uh, we are kind of d- jumping around a whole bunch right now, but like one of the more thing that I, that I absolutely have to talk about one thing that i absolutely fucking love so much about these two books is the music like music oh man wow so i'm a musician i have been a musician for a very long time i've been a performer for a long time i've been in plays uh chad has been in plays i do lots and lots of very public facing performances every day on the internet all the time (laughs) i do these podcasts i can't say enough about how much I agree with the way that Rothfuss talks about the art of performance and the art Capturing of capturing the essence. Like, man, like the way that he explains sound on paper on with such a silent medium, it's like some of the best I've ever seen. And not only that, and like, you know, we could go on and on about Patrick Rothfuss's amazing prose, and like everybody's seen posts about it on Reddit. Everybody knows. Sure. We don't have to dig into that. But I think that one thing that is really unique and really cool is Quoth's connection to a troop of performers um, with the Adima Rue. Like, that's really, really awesome. Like, the the idea that, like, not only was he kind of raised in uh, this kind of, like, nomadic and not super well-off, like, situation. They weren't hurting for money all the time, but, like, they weren't rich either. And it was, like... Dedicated to the arts, to uh, the nth degree. It was such a community that Quoth never found again, really. He kind of found it in the university a little bit, but he was still always a little bit on the sidelines there. He 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 never really had anybody as close again. Um, and so I think that the Edema Rue in the beginning of Name of the Wind is one of the most brilliant parts about all of this. Like, that was one of the things that, you know, like, it, it sets up such an intense contrast to the rest of Quoth's life. Um, and I just think it's it's just done so well. I love it. I love it so much. It's And it's very difficult to capture the essence, the emotional pull that that a song, that the, that phonation done well can inspire within us, man. There, there's no greater pathway to igniting emotion within us than music and it's really difficult to explain that with words so hard and Rothfuss manages to do in fact one of my favorite quotes um maybe not maybe, maybe not of all time but from fantasy novel is this one which I just love so much and especially I've I've grown especially fond of it in my last year or so of my life trying to uh, learn uh, how to sing via various methods and I'm happy to report I am no songbird, but I would not embarrass myself at a karaoke now after about a <laughs> eight 
eight months or so of pretty hard work, about an hour a day, you know. Um, so the actual quote is most things fail with age. Our hands and backs stiffen. Our eyes. Singing. Yeah. Sorry. Our eyes dim <laughs> skin roughens and our beauty fades. The only exception is the voice properly cared for. A voice does nothing but grow sweeter with age and constant use. And I agree with that so much think of your grandpa's voice like the old gravelly voice of someone who has lived a full life you know you can you can hear the stories that the untold stories within the like rasp of that voice like man i just there's some there's a there's a truth and an essence captured in that quote that i really really resonate with and i love a lot and uh yeah just it's it's some good stuff right there I've got another quote here pertaining to the okay. music, and uh, it says, and this is one of my favorites in the entire duology, it's a, uh, music is a proud, temperamental mistress. Give her the time mm. and attention she deserves, and she is yours. Slight her, and there will come a day when you call, and she will not answer. Um, I've got to tell you, as somebody who's been playing musical instruments since since I was like 10, like 10 or 11 years old, it, yeah. Like you have to stick with it. You have to play. Yeah. You have to. It, it. It will. It won't leave you all the way. But if you don't play your instrument for like a month or two, you're gonna notice. You're gonna notice a very you're big difference. Going to notice. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, if you keep up with it, and if like if you're listening right now and you've never played a musical instrument in your entire life, you can play a musical instrument. You just Absolutely. have to put the time in. Like it. it, it that 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 temperamental mistress uh, is. It's there for everybody. Like everybody can do it. Uh, yep. And it, boy, is she the, one of the, the best lovers in the oh, world. Yeah. Once but the learning can... curve, the learning oh. curve is brutal. Like it's Man, very, I'm like very brutal. Three, four months into my guitar, learning to play the yeah. guitar. Just, just cause I, you know, spent all this time learning how to sing, not terribly. So I was like, man, I would really like to be able to play the guitar as well. And I knew going into it that there was going to be a three to six month period of just learning the chords, learning the figure work. And I'm just now barely arriving at a place where I'm not embarrassing myself when I sit out on my front porch and practice my guitar. I can kind of make up little ditties, you know? I have yet to combine that with singing. That's my next step, but uh, I'm almost there. I'm really stoked. Yeah, and and the more that you put into it, the more you'll get out of it, you know? And it's like that with every hobby, but I feel like with music in particular, it's such a reward. Like, it's such an immediate reward for you, like, while you're learning it. Like, every improvement is such a a huge step forward that you can really hear in real time. And, um, you know, like, both having that music be the only thing that's getting him through it so much like and oh my god man that moment in tarbian when his loop breaks like oh, oh like that was more brutal than his parents dying honestly dude, like for seriously me, it like, was reading yep. it, like his dad's loot you know broken for oh, just such man. a stupid reason like yeah I, so i really like this duology a lot and there's like i mean i talked about the cathay part that i how love much that you're I like calling that. it a duology <laughs> i know I, I, it's, it's my <laughs> cheekiness dude because the uh, other two books don't even yeah they're not even brand they're not canon they are but i don't want to talk about them Um, (laughs) yeah sure but um i gotta say though with the exception personally and this is just me with the exception of the the cathay which i really really love um i think that this series mostly trends downward like in in it's not necessarily quality but like in my interest in it um i think that the first like mm, like two thirds 
meh, like three quarters of Name of the Wind is pretty perfect. Like it's it's like it's about as good as a fantasy book can be, in my yep. opinion. Like it's it, it's a right little up, slow. Yeah, but once it gets once it charges, I up, never thought like, so because it's beautiful always. Sure, but I've been sure, told. But that. like, um, <laughs> I think basically like yeah, like the first three quarters of Name of the Wind, it's about as good as a fantasy book can be. There's some flaws with it, obviously. The, some of it might feel a little cringy to some people. I can go on and on about it, but totally. Um, I think that the part in Name of the Wind where Kvothe and Denna are dragon hunting is really weird. And I, I don't real weird. And the, on my latest read through of it, I went into it with open arms and I was like, you know, I'm changing all kinds of different opinions on this. Let's see. It still didn't stick the landing for me. Wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, and then in wise man's fear, um, you know, like he's still at school for like a pretty decent portion of the book, actually. I mean, like it's, I was like surprised. Totally. I forgot that he was actually still at the university for like a while. Me too. Like a like a couple hundred pages. Yeah, like making him. his little like trap and stuff. Yeah, and, and that all, stuff yeah. was in, that stuff was interesting, but it wasn't ever, in my opinion, it just never really hit the same highs, in for me personally. Uh, and then, it just kind of keeps like even the stuff when he's like, um, with all like the super sex positive warriors at the end. <laughs> You know what I mean? He's having like, ninja like, threesomes just, all the time. <laughs> Which, no. if you're listening right now, you probably notice we haven't even mentioned any of that. But like, I mean, the part where he We're calls the wind under that it. tree and stuff is like pretty cool, I guess. But that like, is pretty cool. But like with just... most things, the more the legend, a myth, something that exists in idea, gets the the more the truth gets revealed, the more we see of the Oz behind the curtain, the lamer it gets. And that is, I think, kind of true for this story yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, it's almost I, a better idea. Yeah, but I mean, um, as we kind of start wrapping up here, I just I want to say a few more things. Like for one one thing, I think Rothfuss has always and will always have the chops to finish this. Oh, um, yes. I can't speak to his mental health. I can't speak to his family issues. I can't speak to any of that stuff. Um, but I do think the story's here, like, and I really am sending out uh, the the most positive, optimistic vibes I possibly can toward that man and his family. And then, you know, I struggle with mental health issues. I get it, you know? Um, and, you know, we've spoken a little bit about uh, why we think that the third book is taking as long as it is and how we've aired some frustrations about it and everything. But I, I really, really hope that that he's okay and i'm really looking forward to the third book even if it's if it continues down in that same trend that i had just mentioned because it's such a shallow it's dip. so high it's such a shallow one too like it, it started high and it stays high it just relatively dips a little bit and i think that even if that third book comes out and it's just like like yeah parts of this were really awesome but we still have so many questions and like I would, I'm fine with that. Like I want it. I'm, I'm still excited. Um, in the meantime, I have a lot of other things to read, you know, yep. <laughs> like, and I, I, I'm glad that I did this read through. It'll probably be my last read through until if, if, uh, if I find out that doors of stone is coming out in like 2026, then you can bet that in 2025, I will be reading these books again and oh, yeah. we will we will probably end up covering these again. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's a very apropos quote here that I think might be appropriate to uh, end with, or at least as we get close to it here. 
Uh, and it's you go rummaging around in other people's lives. You hear rumors and go digging for the painful truth beneath the lovely lies. You believe you have a right to these things, but you don't. When someone tells you a piece of their life, they're giving you a gift, not granting you your due. And oh. I think that's a little bit of wisdom that can exist off the page in that enjoy these books for what let, let's enjoy what we do have and not be resentful for what we don't. Sure. Yeah. And when while because, that resentment while that resentment is valid in a lot of ways. Yes. It's not going to get that book out any faster. And I think that one thing that that Rothfuss said was and I could be messing up this quote, but he basically said if I didn't care about this book, you would already have it. And, oh. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, which, yeah, he, yeah. He probably cares a little too much. Well, anyway, a lot could be said that we have but, said. <laughs> but I think that there's a lot in that. In what he said, and what he's basically also saying is like, do you want this to be done right and have it take a long, a long time, or do you want it right now, just just to satiate you having it when you wanted it? And that's right. why, that's why, as the two things can be true at the same time. You can be frustrated that it's not out, and you can be excited for it to come out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and you don't have to pick a side on this. Like, you you don't have to. And you especially don't have to send the guy death threats, and you don't have to leave them on no. my comment sections either. Everybody, like, Seriously. please. It's not. A, it's it's probably nobody that's listening to this podcast. But like, damn. Like, I've seen some like really really messed. Like, me too. Oh, like like man. You yeah, time like, to type that out. Like, geez, like I said like, at the outside. very beginning, yeah. he does. And and like I said in this quote, you know, he's not giving you. He's giving you a gift. He's not granting you your due. Though I will follow that up with saying he certainly does have a due that he never gave to uh, his friends over uh, his his friends at Daw who published his books. And well, I mean, he, I think he should. Pay, pay, I'd, I'd, him, I'd, I paid him for the books. Uh, <laughs> I think he should put that chapter out. Damn right he, he should. I yeah, think he, he should owes put that those people out. their due yeah. as well. I think, yes, I think that chapter needs to come out. That's the last thing I'll say about him as a per, as a person and, and as a writer. We've had so much to say about the this story, and um, man, I feel like we could talk for hours longer about this. But this has turned into almost a three hour episode. So yeah, these uh, books are very important to they the are very to important. The fantasy genre. Yeah, and even like what an achievement to have something that's unfinished that still left so much so much of a mark. I want to give Vertigool a quick shout out because his uh, his spidey sense must be tingling as he just pledged to our Patreon, which is an awesome community to go be a part of. So like Vertigool, thank you for your pledge. Uh, go check it out because it really helps Evan and I out. And uh, it's an awesome community of people to be in. And you get a bunch of little goodies that come with being a part of our Patreon. Yeah. And, you know, like Chad and I want to start doing some more of these kinds of episodes where we take deep dives into series we've both read and really love i'd like to do some song of ice and fire stuff i'd like to do some lord of the rings stuff some, uh, some harry potter stuff with song of ice and fire. yeah yeah <laughs> i mean um but i think digging into some other stuff that chad and i have read in the past that we're really big fans of um i'd like to do a lord of the rings maybe even lord of the rings would be really fun I, I don't really care about narnia but i'm down i like, do i, I love those again. growing There's, up you know what i'd be down to read them again but like i don't want to do an episode per book or anything no but i just don't have much to say about narnia like oh when was the last time you read them <laughs> like 20 I bet you'd have ago, something so, to say if you yeah, read them like in the last, some point in the last oh, two I'd have decades. stuff to say. I would have things to say for sure. Um, but I've been I've been really, you know, uh Chad and I've been talking a lot about the direction we want this podcast to go. And obviously we're gonna read Melazon, we're gonna read Throne of Glass, we're gonna read all kinds of yeah, different stuff. But I think that um, you know, 
one of the main things that I love so much about this podcast is really sitting down and super nerding out on stuff that Chad and I are not just now getting familiar with, like stuff that Chad and I have been familiar with for a long time. I think that right. it's really important for us to keep up on that. And, um, you know, we have TV shows and movies and comic books and all kinds of different stuff to talk about. Uh, so we will be doing that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this extremely long episode. It might have gotten a little rambly at parts. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there is not a third book. So <laughs> yeah. you can't even That's call us on being fault. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, you, like email us if you want, but uh, you're just as wrong as we are. So yeah. uh, that's 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 the cool part about doing this, I guess. That's, that's why Song of Ice and Fire would actually be lots of fun, too. Because I have a lot <laughs> more really thoughts would. about that uh, personally. Man, it's been a long time since I've read those books. Whew. Yeah, they're great. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, they're just, they're just as good as uh, King Killer. I th- you should listen mm. to them on audiobook. The audiobook oh, narrator yeah, is will. amazing. Yeah, I, I don't Roy remember enjoying the, the read through as much as I enjoyed um, King Killer. But maybe, you know, I'm a, I'm a different person, man. Now I'm a person. I'm a different person, man. I'm a different uh, person now, or at least maybe a bit more uh, aware of one, or at least hopefully. Um, and so I might enjoy them a little bit more. Um, I mean, I, I personally like Song of Ice and Fire more than King Killer. That's just me. Um, I think they're that so different. They're very, yeah. No, you're right. They're they're very very different. I mean, that doesn't um, mean to say that you can't have one. You can't compare them. You certainly can, but they are very different. They're really. I think mostly they're pretty much incomparable. Actually, I would well, argue. Well, I mean, you can. They're both food, right? You can say like <laughs> you can compare pizza yeah. and ice cream. They're very different. I can say I like ice cream more than I like pizza, but it is sure. kind of hard to compare them directly, you know. But they are both yeah. food, so you know. I mean, that's where the term apples and oranges comes from. You know? Yeah, that's true. But those are both like fruit. But you're fruit. right. Anyway. That is kind of a weird, that is kind of a weird like metaphor or whatever. Cause it's like, it's like, oh, well, those are apples and oranges. And it's like, dude, those are actually like still pretty similar. Yeah, like, those are both... like very similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in the top like, like you five say... most well known fruits, those are both in yeah. that category. It should yeah. be like, it should be like apples and boat anchors or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Boat. That's pretty good. I like that. Like, like apples and oranges. It's like, I mean, they're both spherical. They're both fruits. They both have seeds. Right. They, they both yeah, have, we both uh, eat them. They both have uh, skins. They both have. Cool, <laughs> like, I, what are you? Oh, what you're... are you doing here? Like, well, actually, they're pretty similar, quite a bit. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. I think that doing Fuck, some we more episodes, doing some more episodes <laughs> like this, I, I have so much fun with it. Um. Me too. There's nobody in the world I'd rather talk about these books with. Um. Straight up, man. I love you. Yeah, I love you too, man. You're and uh, to everybody listening, thank you so so much for listening to this episode. And if uh, Patrick Office, if you're listening right now, we hope we didn't say anything you haven't already heard before. So. <laughs> we definitely uh, it, didn't i was watching one of his live streams and he leaves because pizza is at the door and then he comes back and he's like all super pissed off and he's like the pizza guy asked me when the third book's coming out and he was like <laughs> raging <laughs> it's so funny did he really wow yeah yeah you know so I mean, I, at the I, very least we might have gotten as much entertainment as we would have out of the third book out of patrick rothfuss unending list of excuses as to why we haven't gotten it well, so you man, know to be in that chat when that happened i wish it had oh, been. makes glorious. me wish i had been watching all thousand hours of him live streaming that but it's hard alas. to watch live streams man what is <laughs> he drive. playing what is he playing is he random is... side scrollers a lot of side scrollers like old like, school like really indie games Oh, okay. Uh, and then a couple, like, he's just, um, uh, he's not playing like Call of Duty or like, no, no, okay, no, yeah, but he does play some pretty famous ones, but nothing like no FPS is like that. I know, first person okay. shooters. Well, everybody, this will be like the fifth time I've said thank you for listening, but thank <laughs> you for listening. Um, thank I just you love seriously for listening. 
All right, Chad, have a good night. Everybody, thank you, you so much for night. listening. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.